good morning and welcome to the Sunday service here at the Free Community Church. Um, this is the first Sunday that we are able to gather back again with a live congregation. And uh, for those of you joining here on site, and for those of you joining us here online this morning, a very warm welcome home. And uh, first, uh, before we begin, you know, I thought that it would be great, even, whether you're on site or online, to be able to use a contactless form of greeting with one another. You know, we're not allowed to embrace one another. We long for the day that we are going to be able to even shake hands. So I thought that um, if you're online, uh, you can actually, what you could do is you can signal uh, peace be with you in the chat window. And that's a good way to being able to greet everyone as I greet peace be with you uh, to you online and to you here uh, on site. But you know, how do we greet peace uh, uh, be with you to one another? Well, there are two ways. If you're online, you can type it out or you can use the emoji uh, peace sign and then you can put a heart there. And then, you know, if you're over here, you can look at one another and with one hand, you can put the heart sign and then the other hand, you can put the peace sign. Yeah, and then that's how you can greet one another uh, over here. All right. Thank you for doing that. And uh, as we prepare our hearts for a time of worship, uh, let's respond to this call to worship together. Come, walk in green pastures. We, we follow, follow the, the shepherd. shepherd. Come, lie down in green pastures. We, we trust, trust the, the shepherd. shepherd. Come, dine at the table of abundance. We, we are, are fed, fed by, by the, the shepherd. shepherd. Come, dwell in God's house. We, we live, live in, in the, the shepherd's, shepherd's care. Loving shepherd, you know our names. You care for us. When we face darkness and death, walk beside us. When we hunger for your love, fill us with your presence. When we are fearful, feed us at your table. May, May we, dwell we dwell in the house of goodness and mercy all the days of our lives. Amen. Let's join our hearts together uh, to worship with um, the FCC worship team. For those people who are on site here, um, you are, of course, not able to sing at this point in time. For those at home, you can, of course, have the opportunity to sing out loud. But for those here on site, you may want to worship with the rest of your bodies. You can choose to stand, sit, kneel, lift your hands, clap along. Let's worship with, uh, and join our hearts together for a time of worship. The splendor of the King Clothed in majesty The audience rejoice The audience rejoice You wrap yourself in light And darkness tries to hide And trembles at your voice And trembles at your voice How great is our God Sing with me How great is our God Oh, we'll see how great God. 
eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you, to see you high lifted up, shining in the light of your glory, pour out your power and love as we sing holy, holy, holy. Open the eyes of our heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, 
I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Will you join me in prayer? Holy and loving one, we have so much to give thanks for. For the amazing panelists on our three panel discussions, Heart Truths, and all those who attended. For a meaningful Ping Dot service and the brave allies you have surrounded us with. God, you know our every need for us exceedingly, abundantly, above what we ask or think. We thank you and we pray that you will continue to surprise us as we look to you in wonder and worship. On this Father's Day, we thank you for our fathers and father figures, especially those who have been like spiritual fathers to us, for those who left a legacy of love in our lives because of their fathering, we thank you. We pray for the fathers in our community and ask for your continued grace and wisdom to be upon them. And in this moment, we want to pause to remember and pray for the fathers in our lives and in our community. We collectively give thanks also for Jonathan's recovery process so far. And we continue to pray for the doctors to have wisdom to treat him for his peace of mind and heart in the midst of uncertainty and for your healing presence to embrace him and his loved ones closely during this time. In the midst of racist episodes rising to the surface in our society recently, Help us be honest and reflective and grow in our awareness of our own racist attitudes, unconscious bias, and the systemic racism that exists. Help us first listen to understand, to listen when our minority friends tell us how they have been hurt in obvious ways as well as through microaggressions we are all guilty, Lord, often without realizing it. Forgive us and help us do better. Help us listen deeply, understand clearly, and learn how to dismantle our racist attitudes, biases, and systems. God, your grace sustains us, and your love challenges us. We rest in all that you are and humbly pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Forever I'll see. 
Good morning. Thank you for joining us uh, today, whether you are in person or online. And if you are joining us for the first time, um, you might want to know that we have been using um, menti.com uh, to invite folks to get more engaged uh, in the sermon during our service uh, because I'll be asking questions and you can post your thoughts um, and, your, and respond to some of the questions I'll be asking during the sermon. And today's mentee code is 28351993. So, you know, take out your mobile phone. This is one of the, probably the only church who asks you to take out your mobile phone during the sermon. Um, so they can follow along the, the, the presentation and as well as respond to the questions. So the code is 28351993. So I want to invite you now to join me in prayer before we start. God, it's not easy to talk about certain things. And today, may your word, may my words and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. Amen. So, racism is a hot topic of late. And today, as part of the Ecclesia series, I'm going to talk about racism. It is not an easy topic. And it may make some folks uncomfortable, but I think that it is important for us to address it so we can be the church. And, you know, racism does seem like a modern thing, right? Because, yeah, did it exist in the biblical times? Well, I want to ask, you know, very quickly, did racism exist in biblical times? Yes, no, not sure. Just um, get, get a feel of um, your responses. Wow, it's almost a, a great ma um, majority saying yes. Right, it's uh, almost a 90% um, of you think that racism does exist in the Bible. Thank you. And so, those of you who said yes, you must have come across some instances as you read the Bible and go like, oh, this is so racist, or this is racist, or, 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 or it might give you a clue, right? So, my next question very quickly would be, what were the racist moments in the Bible that you have come across? You know, just a brief, um, you know, short. You don't have to write the entire um, uh, passage out. Uh, you don't have to quote chapter and verse. Just um, a rough, um, uh, just the Gentiles and the Jews. That's very clear, right? There's a, there's a line drawn, right? Prohibitions against the Moabites. 
um, against the Nazareth inhabitants, Jewish attitudes to Gentiles, right? Even within um, the Israelites, right? They really, they, they draw out, amongst the Jews, they draw out, you know, this is a different group of people, right? Uh, some of you will remember the, um, uh, oh, it slipped my mind suddenly. What were they saying that there's no prophet that will come out of, um, not Nazareth, right? Is it Nazareth? Oh, Nazareth, yeah, okay, that's probably that. Um, Jewish attitudes to Gentiles, Israelites always smearing the neighbours and their ancestry. Jesus once called the woman of another race a dog. Anytime Samaritans are mentioned, Isaac and Ishmael, the Ethiopian eunuch, another is Moses' wife, how are they treated? Samaritans are excluded. The treatment of the Israelites by the Egyptians. Israelites being the chosen nation. Ah, good one. The genocide committed on the Canaanites. Mm. Any, can anything good come from Nazareth? Yes. Any non-Jew, basically all pagans, right? They, they treat them differently. The Samaritans versus the Jews. Thank you. Thank you for your responses. And Racism does exist in the Bible. And as one of you pointed out, there's one that really comes to mind for me. And I have struggled with it for a long time because when I read it, I went like, oh my God, this is so... Ugh. And I struggle with it because it puts Jesus in a very bad light. I have read many people trying to explain it, reconcile it, downplay it in many ways. And it is the passage where Jesus encounters a Gentile woman um, she's described as Syrophoenician in Mark chapter 7 um, and in the parallel passage in Matthew chapter 15, um, she's described as a Canaanite. Uh, I'll read from the, the gospel according to Matthew here um, and I'll preach from this passage um, and not the Mark one, but they are parallel. They are basically talking about the same thing. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Did I miss? Okay. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, Great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. You know, first, Jesus ignored her. Then, he said he was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then, he called the woman and her daughter dogs after she kneels and begs him, Lord, help me. Dogs. 
a derogatory term. Some people might say, why does it matter? Since at the end of the day, the woman got what she wanted, right? Let it be done for you as you wish. Her daughter was healed. Some people say, Jesus cannot be wrong. Jesus is divine. Therefore, he must be testing her faith, which she passed. They argued from the doctrine that Jesus is without sin, so Jesus cannot be racist or sexist for the matter. And then some people say, Jesus is human. That's also from doctrine, right? Fully human and fully divine. And, there, and because Jesus is fully human, he can make mistakes too. And this moment was a learning moment that helped Jesus expand his understanding of his mission. I wonder what you think. And I'm not going to ask you to answer. One biblical scholar, Francis J. Maloney, in a commentary on the Gospel according to Mark, suggested that this passage is actually symbolic of the, of the Gentiles' salvation, whose salvation has been far away. Until this point, Jesus has not yet touched a Gentile to perform healing. After this passage, the gospel moves to Jesus performing miracles from, for Gentiles in Gentile lands, with Jesus moving through Gentile territory until chapter 8 and feeding a Gentile crowd, doing the same thing that he had previously done only for the Jewish people, giving them bread and extending the mission of salvation to include them. Another pastor, Karen E. Gale, said, when I was in seminary, I went in front of the committee on ministry to talk about my call. I presented to them a sermon on this text, a sermon that talked about how Jesus got it wrong, what's wrong. And in that meeting, one member was incensed that I dared question the divinity, the character of Jesus, by essentially calling Jesus a racist. Jesus is the Son of God. You must change the sermon, he practically yelled. Yet, I'm here again saying I believe Jesus is wrong. What's wrong? And for whatever reason, the writers of the gospel include this text to show us even Jesus gets it wrong in this essential way. So I understand in my words today make you mad. But the gospel message for us and the good news for us is that if he can change, so can we if we are willing. You might push back against what Reverend Gale says, right? But slow down and listen. I think we all miss the point when we argue whether Jesus was testing the woman's faith or whether Jesus was racist. What is more critical is not that conclusion, but what this passage can teach and transform us here and now. If we are arguing about whether Jesus was racist or not, we will be focusing on a question that we cannot have a conclusive answer and fail at the one thing that Jesus asks of us, that is, to follow him. Did we jump into a defensive posture because Jesus is being criticised? Just like how we jump into a defensive posture when someone or something we care about, we love, is being criticised just like how we might react when we ourselves are being called racist. Very often when people share of their experiences of racism, they are told, you are too sensitive. No lah, 
so and so is a nice person. They are not racist, lah. Or no, lah. This organization is not racist. They do a lot of good work, you know. Hold on a moment. Did we listen to what is being said? Or did we ignore it, minimize it because we are uncomfortable or threatened by what is being said? When we defend a friend or someone that we care about and say, no, lah, this person is not racist, lah. this person is a nice person, because maybe we identify with that person too. And if that person that we admire, adore, or, uh, or inspired by, and someone calls that person racist, then we might be racist by association. If someone calls an organisation racist, and we are part of that organisation, then by association, we might also be racist. And therefore, we start defending, right? And what we have done when we tell people you're too sensitive, or just minimise or ignore, or just say, you know, that's not racist, we are actually making it about ourselves rather than about the person who told us that, hey, I think that I had an experience of racism. I want to ask, if we are to follow Jesus here in the, sto- in the passage in Matthew, how are we supposed to act or behave when we are called racist? if we are to follow Jesus as He behaved in the passage, how are we supposed to act or behave when we are called racist? You know, after reading and experiencing, um, you know, reading the different uh, perspectives on this passage, um, especially Reverend Gales, and doing research on racism, I've actually started to appreciate this passage a lot more and find the humour in this passage. And you know what? This is one of the few times, and probably I'm trying to think, uh, the only time Jesus lost in an argument. If If you see that exchange, right? Thank you for your responses. Listen and reflect. Reflect on our own attitudes and be willing to change. Reflect, repent, change. Acknowledge and change. Understand where we went wrong and change. Internalize and reflect. Attend to the group's felt needs intentionally. Stop, think, consider. Maybe the accuser is correct from a third-party point of view. Repent. Think about it, whether it's true and have the courage to admit it and learn from it. This has happened to me before. It was humbling. I took time to pause and reflect rather than answer right away. Find out what is causing this racism. Act in love. Thank you. All very good replies. And I hope that we all can try to be in this kind of space, right? It's not easy. When someone comes up to you and says you are racist, it's not easy to pause. It's not easy to act in love because sometimes it pricks us. It's telling us that we are a bad person because we think racists are 
resists uh, like the um, ex-poly um, lecturer who went up to an interracial couple and spilled his racist nonsense on them. But that may not be it. Like many of you said, if we are to follow Jesus here, his example, we are invited to listen, not to rebut or explain, but listen to understand. After reading several articles, I tried to understand where each person is coming from. I understand that the person in Reverend Gale's committee who yelled, Jesus is the Son of God! You must change this sermon. I also understand Reverend Gale's perspective that Jesus got it wrong and Jesus changed. And I also get what the scholars are pointing out, right? That this is a transition point in the gospel from Jesus' ministries to the Jews to broadening up the mission of salvation to include the Gentiles. I have not reached a conclusion who's right. I can hold all these intentions because the lesson here, to me, isn't the conclusion, the truth. Because there's no way to arrive at a conclusive answer. If we could, it would have been arrived at already. I can hold all this intention because my faith in Jesus isn't shaken. It could be possible that Jesus got it wrong on purpose, right? And, and so that we can learn this lesson here now today. After all, Jesus did make another mistake in the Gospel of Mark. He said that David entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread in the days of Abiatar the high priest in Mark chapter 2, verse 26. But when you go and read 1 Samuel right, chapter 21, the high priest was Amihelet, not Abiatar. So did Jesus get the facts wrong or what? Well, clearly it's, you know, you can bend over backwards and try to explain, but it's quite clear that A and B are quite different, all right? So when we focus on defending ourselves or someone or something that we care about, we neglect and lose sight of the experience of the person who was harmed the person who experienced racism. I wonder how our minority siblings read Jesus' interaction with the Canaanite woman. And here I believe that we are invited to focus instead of, instead of, um, we are invited to focus on how we go about listening to what God is trying to tell us now. It may not be the same as what God was trying to tell the early Christians then, but that's the wonder of the Holy Spirit. We're continually learning new things, asking questions that those who come before us have not asked before. And for me, this is suspending just a moment my judgment and listen. Listen not to debate, argue or reason why we are not racist. So I want to invite you to listen today and think about and perhaps some, and change some of your ideas about racism. I learned a few things uh, after attending Wednesday's talk by Academia.sg's panel discussion regarding racism. You can find it on YouTube. And it is an excellent place to learn how to start participating in the work to dismantle racism. And I went on to do more research, right? 
um, after uh, Imran shared about Professor um, Patricia Robert Miller's work. She's the Emer uh, Professor Emeritus of Rhetoric and Writing at the University of Austin, Texas. But before I jump in to talk about her work, I want to ask you, what is your definition of racist? What is your definition of racist? Or racism, right? If someone came up to you interviewing you, you know, what do you define as racism? What do you find is a, define as a racist? What would you say? Not an easy question. Choosing one race over another. Prejudice against a certain race. Thank you for your thoughts. When one thinks that the other race is of low, lower than mine, lower value, or people who reject those who are different from them, different treatment based on race, someone who makes another race feel uncomfortable, saying their race is more important than the character, quality, or work, making fun of who you are, making negative assumptions and judgment of someone else based on racial character characteristics, when someone's race becomes a consideration for something that is not beneficial to them, I'm unsubstantiated believe that another race is less good than mine. Participating in a system that privileges your race at expense of other low-power race. Prejudice towards people due to skin colour. Having coloured opinion of certain races. Treating people differently because of their race. Believing and acting upon superiority of their own race. The way the world works is putting light, the lightest skin coloured people at the top of the pyramid. A situation or person who operates on the belief that other races are lesser. Saying your preferences are only preferences when it's racist. Judgment or decision based on first, on heritage before action. Exclusion, rejection, negative behaviour to one race purely based on race different appearance. Building a different race on one. Someone who used hurtful words and actions against someone of a different race. I want to pause here because something came to my mind. A lot of times you see that people define racism as um, belittling or putting less value or saying that uh, race is less than, right? Now consider this. Oftentimes, you will hear that, you know, the Asian students are super high performing in the US schools. Right? They always they are ac academically uh, perform much better than other races. This is actually putting something positive onto a certain race. Do you think that's racist? Just hold that thought. Right? Just invite you to think about that. I'm looked down because of my race. A, race. a racist is someone who thinks themselves superior to another race, whether in big ways or small, whether their behaviours are implicit or explicit, thinking in their minds but not saying their thoughts out loud. That's a lot of us, certainly. Okay. Having bias based on skin colour, when judgmental exists to make other pe another person uh, this uncomfortable. Hmm? Yep. I will give you the, what um, Professor Patricia Roberts writes, right? 
and she really wrote very good, uh, a very good book um, to engage in anti-racist conversations, to help dismantle racism. This is not her answers, but rather, if you stop someone on the street, like what I did for all of you, to ask you, what does it mean to be racist? These are the answers that are given. Number one, consciously categorizing people by race. Two, um, making race an issue, right, by mentioning race. Stereotyping a race, especially if the generalization is negative. And as a, as a consequence of that conscious negative stereotype of that race, treating everyone of that race with aggression and hostility. Well, what she says is, these are actually not good ways of deciding that something is racist. And she says, it's true that I'm racist. In the first place, these rules imply useless Cognitive, um, impossible, cognitively impossible solutions to racism. They suggest that the solution to racism is to not see race, not mention race, not make generalizations about groups, and never consciously behave badly to someone because of their race. If we only think about racism as being conscious, consciously be behaving badly to someone just because of their race, then we will miss all the times we unconsciously behave badly. We, and we will end up just calling racist incidents culturally insensi insensitive. Because racism isn't just something that is explicit. It doesn't, it doesn't require intention. When we define racism in this way, right, that we don't mention race, we don't see race, and never consciously behave badly because of someone's race, we are defining it using intention. Someone needs to intentionally do something to be racist. It's not embedded. It's not something that's actually hidden from our view, something that's actually subconscious. But racism is subconscious, okay? Racism is subconscious. I will go on. She says, racism isn't an either-or. It isn't that we are racist or not. It is actually how racist we are and what we are doing about it. Okay? When we shift this view, things change. Because if we are able to think about it in this way, then we are able to do a lot more work around racism. Now, racism is an unconscious bias, and no one is unbiased. That's not how cognition works, how our brain works. You cannot perceive the world without perceiving it in the light of what you already believe. All the things you have learned while growing up your culture, you know, your background, your social environment, everything shapes how we see things and how we um, behave. And she gives a very good example of how biases work. She says, imagine that you're trying to find an office in a university building. You can find the door to the building because you have a, you have a stereotype of how a building will work. Because... Buildings have doors for you to go through. 
So you will look around and you will find a door to go through. Then you walk past classrooms, you are looking for office, but you will walk past the classrooms and ignore the classrooms because you know how classrooms should look like. You have a stereotype about uh, how classrooms are. So you ignore them and you go straight for what an office would look like. For instance, it might say on the door, Department of Rhetoric, and you're looking for the department. And you have a prejudice, you are prejudged that departments will put their name on the door. She makes sense, right? We have these bias and prejudices. They're not bad. You know, bias, often they are tinged with a negative connotation, but they're not necessarily bad. Because these prejudices and biases help us make, ju make call, judgment calls about certain things. Just now, when you came into church, when you step into an elevator, you instinctively press the button too, right? Because that's how elevators work. It could be the next time you go to a new building across the road or anywhere else, and you know it's, that's how exactly it will work. Because you have a bias, and that helps you. You know that when you press the number, you will go to that floor. Now, with that in mind, if we are really honest with ourselves, there will be times that we will have thoughts that pop up in our head that are biased. It may be making a judgment because someone belongs to a certain race or a certain group. That's why Professor Robert Miller says, that's why the argument that you shouldn't stereotype groups is nonsense. We stereotype. That's how we think. The very statement, generalizations are bad, is a generalization. Gener generalizing is not the problem. Now, I'll continue with that office analogy, right? You walk into that office and there are several people. Who do you assume is the secretary? Who do you assume is the department chair? You see a tall white man with slightly graying hair, a short, stout black woman of the same age as the white male, a younger white woman elegantly dressed, a person whose race and gender you can't immediately identify. Who do you treat as the receptionist? Based on my personal bias, the first thing I'll go, I'll go towards the, the, the elegantly dressed woman, the young woman, right? Why? Bias. Naturally comes to me, right? You assume that the best dressed person will be the, not really the best dressed, like the youngest. And then the next question is, who will you think is the chair of the department? And in many contexts, it is the older white man who you think is the chair of the department. Our decisions to, about whom to treat as a chair and who to treat as the secretary is just as much questions of prejudging stereotypes and expectations as our decisions regarding finding the door. And it is a lot a string of decisions that are in our head that are actually subconscious. You can rely on your prejudgment stereotypes and expectations or you can decide to treat people different from how you treat doors and buildings. You cannot not have prejudgments, 
but you can know that you have the prejudgment and then act differently. Racism isn't getting up in the morning and, she says, deciding on whose lawn you'll burn across. I would add, racism isn't getting up in the morning and deciding to walk up to an interracial couple and spill your and vomit or your racist ideas onto them. Racism is assuming the black woman isn't the chair. Racism, in our context, is assuming the Malay Muslim woman in the tudong in the office is the receptionist. And racism is that your assumption is mostly going to turn out to be correct here in Singapore. Because racism is also structural and systemic. It comes from social, cultural, political, economic circumstances. These issues that prevent Malay Muslim women from becoming chair of a university department. They face so much obstacles to get there. That's why you don't see that many chair of department, your university departments. It is not about race and uh, their, in, their ability or lack of. It is that our society has obstacles placed before them. I will share with you this one personal experience and I've shared before with many people and I think I've even you know, shared it in a sermon. I was helping AJ, a member of FCC, who's of a minority race, with his resume once. And I saw his O-level certificate. And I was stunned. I was stunned because his results were almost the same as mine for O-levels. His results would predict, you know, with those results, you would assume that he will have gone on to JC, gone on to university and graduate with a degree. But he did not. He did not because of his race, his socio-economic class, his sexual orientation, because he was on the margins. And there were many, and still are, many, many obstacles that he faced and faces today that prevents him from getting there. And that's why, even though we have similar O-level results, we don't have similar outcomes. This is systemic racism. It exists. We need to all to start somewhere. Perhaps opening our minds, exploring possibilities, then changing our minds is a good way to start. Racism isn't just overt. It isn't just somebody whipping out a, a, a phone and filming someone else and, calling and, and making racist statements about some a group of people. Racism is also covert. We cannot think of racism as either-or in terms of a binary, but think of it as a continuum, right? It's not one or zero, digital, you know. It's not a binary, it's a continuum. And the continuum is based on how it impacts, hurts, or harms. We define it not based on intention. It's not that you want to be racist, but we define it based on what impact it has on people. Um, 
Professor Patricia Roberts Miller has a very good example that I will will just plagiarise from her. She says you are driving and you knocked into someone's car. Accident happens, right? Have you been in an accident? Those who drive, have you been in an accident before? Knocked into someone? I have, right? And you step out of the car and the other person says, you terrible driver, you, why do you knock into my car? Do I say that, no, I'm actually a very good driver and start explaining, you know, how many years have I got, uh, um, got zero points on my demerit points, zero demerit points, or how many dri- years of driving experience I have to show that I'm not a bad driver. The fact that it, the issue is not that I, no, not about being a bad driver, but I have knocked into his car and damaged his car. It's not the intention. Did I want to crash into his car? No, of course not. It is about the impact. And so we need to reframe things in this way. Like Professor Patricia Roberts Miller, I will acknowledge I'm racist. Not because I'm, no, I want to be racist, not because I have intention of being racist, but that's how my brain works. I'm biased. And these biases come about from the environment I grew up in, the culture that I'm steeped in, the views, the values, and the perceptions of people that I grew up around with who taught me certain things, the culture that I'm steeped in. Because once I acknowledge and once we acknowledge that we are racist, we no longer start from a place that we have to defend ourselves or prove someone or something or another is racist or not. But be ready to listen to those who are speaking up and understand their experiences of racism, what they are trying to say, and start working on being less racist ourselves. If we don't come to terms with racism that's embedded in us, we will only listen to defend, to debate, to reason that we are not racist, and we will end up becoming more divided and continue to cause harm. Now, I want you to think about this statement. FCC is racist. Some of you might go, no, we are not, because free stands for first realize everyone's equal. We say that every week. We welcome everyone, regardless of race, sexual orientation, gender identity, social economic class, or label people, or any other label that people put on you. That's what we say. But that doesn't mean that we are not racist or sexist, or transphobic. Proclaiming something is one thing. It needs to be backed up with action. And really, if you've been listening and following along, the biases remain in our heads. The biases don't just get erased and disappear. But when the bias crops up, because we have known people who are different, because we have experienced differently, we can put those biases away and go, you know, that's not true. When we interact with more and more diverse people, we are able to refute the biases that crop up. But guess what? They will still crop up. They don't go away. They are deeply ingrained. So, this is some feedback I received from minorities in FCC some time ago, not recently. Eh? 
I have experienced some form of racism in other churches, but also in FCC here and there, from members who probably didn't know, who probably did not realise that it was hurtful, whether it was jokes about the Tamil or Indian accent, or gestures that mimicked Indian mannerisms, like wobbling of the head. I usually have no problem speaking up against racism in more obvious circumstances. But when I don't know people well, and I'm often the only minority, and when it's an implicit remark, I usually end up being unable to say anything and end up feeling hurt and upset without knowing where to go with my feelings. When someone comes to us and tells us what we have done is racist, it can be an act of respect and kindness. They're not attacking us. It is an invitation to change, an invitation to love our neighbours better. Because if someone really is pissed right, and hurt by our actions, right, it's actually easier to walk away and not tell us anything. And I'm sure it has happened that someone came to FCC, experienced racism, and left never coming back without telling us at all. I am sure it has happened. And because we don't know how to handle this difference, we often avoid interacting with minorities altogether. We are conflict avoidant. But that is harmful too. Minorities in FCC have experienced it. There are people who interact with each other but leave them out. Nobody talks to them. Nobody invites them to go out to lunch together. Not nowadays, right, with the COVID restrictions, but in the past. We need to realise what hurts our minority siblings most is not the overt racist or racist incidents like the ex Nian Poly lecturer who confronted the uh, interracial couple or the PA's treatment or Miss Sarah Bargrip, but the small infractions in everyday interactions by ordinary folks like you and me. That hurts them most. Do we make room for minorities? Do we, do we make the effort to reach out, overcome our biases, our discomfort, so that we can care for and love each other. There's much to be done, and it looks like a daunting task. But let's focus on one step at a time. Progress and not perfection. We will continue to make mistakes, but what gives us hope that is that we will, are making progress, moving towards becoming more loving, and less racist. I've talked about racism some time ago. And I thought, I thought that the impact wasn't there. And I suspect that we weren't ready then. I think that we are more ready now. And I have learned new ways to talk about how we can be anti-racist. And with all the conversations that's going around, there are more resources about it, and we have access to them. This is very simple steps, right? Suggested by, oh, 
suggested by uh, Professor Patricia Roberts-Miller, how to be anti-racist. Be constantly vigilant of your own biases and fears. They are not going to go away, I can tell you. I myself, even though I have lots of African-American friends, when I, go, I, when I see a stranger right, who is bigger size than I am, the fear is there. It just comes up. Right? <clears throat> am I going to beat up? Am I going to be shot at or what? But it's irrational. I'm more likely to be shot by a white guy in the US than by, by an African-American. That's the truth. The mass shooters, look at the, look at the statistics. But this bias comes out out of fear. I actually don't experience that fear when I encounter you know, white Americans. No bias. Two, seek out interaction with people who differ from you. Race, culture, ethnicity, and other qualities. Because that builds our ability to interact. That builds our ability to, to catch our biases. That builds up how we learn, right? Three, don't be defensive. Four, be open to discuss your own attitudes and biases and how they might have hurt others. Be open to that, to see the impact. And because, just because you've hurt someone doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It might be unintentional, but the hurt is still there. We can address that. Be an ally by standing personally against all forms of bias and discrimination. Exorcism requires us to name the demon. If we don't acknowledge it, then we won't be able to deal with it. We should be less concerned about whether FCC or Jesus is called a racist and more concerned about what was said and done that was actually racist. Too often, when we are called racist, we are concerned about being called racist. Therefore, we are a bad person Instead of looking at the harm done, whether what we really did was actually racist or not, listening is an act of love. What we learn today doesn't just apply to race, but gender, gender identity, to all the different things that we define each other because we are biased in different ways. Whatever label that we have for people, there are biases attached to it. That's what the labels are for, actually. We label people because it creates stereotypes. It makes, us, it, gives us, it makes it simpler to deal with people. A door is a door, an elevator is an elevator. The office is an office, a classroom is a classroom. We label things so that we can categorize them and know what to do when we interact with them. Our labels with each other also, also does that. And we cannot do away without it because that's how our brains work. But paying attention to them, noticing them, and seeing whether they are helpful or not is important. And Instead of jumping to defend ourselves, I hope we learn to check that those emotions coming up 
not become defensive, not feel that we are less than just because we are called a racist. Because it's not about our intentions. We keep thinking that racism is overt, that racism must have an intention before it can be racism. That's why people can say, this is only a preference one. But when we frame racism based on the harm done on somebody else, we can think about it differently. Jesus exercised the demon from the Canaanite woman's daughter. And we need to work to exercise racism from our midst. And I want to invite you to join this work today. You know, very simple, right? Just clicking one answer, right? Invite you to join in this work, being the body of Christ, working against racism. But it's not just about clicking yes here. It's about doing the homework, the hard work of acknowledging our racism and do something about it. And, you're, and in FCC, we've always said, right, always by invitation, never by coercion. And you're free to say no. You're free to hold on to your beliefs. But this is a inv continuous invitation to recognize what we can do, to follow exactly what we are called to do, to love our neighbors as ourselves. Are you biased towards yourself? Maybe. But you certainly will treat yourself better than you treat others, right? So perhaps, think about it. May we continue to live out what free stands for. First, realize everyone's equal and see that we are all created in the image of God. Amen. Let us prepare our hearts for Holy Communion. We gather each Sunday at this table. Even though at this time we are not physically able to be together, the table of God's great feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. We here at FCC celebrate an open table. This means you do not have to meet any criteria. You do not have to be a member of the church. You do not have to be baptized. You only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. Good Shepherd, we take your care for granted. 
in the midst of your many blessings. We complain of not having enough. In the presence of danger, we fail to trust your abiding love. When you set a table before us, we turn aside from you. Call us back into your fold and help us, trusting your caring presence and provision that our actions may proclaim your truth. All together. Surely, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. God, God forgives our failures and calls us back into the flock. Loving God, our Good Shepherd, we are the sheep of your pasture. You know us by name. We, we offer grateful thanks for your loving care. Open our hearts and minds to the guiding of your Spirit in our lives. Lead us in right paths that we may serve you in truth and action. Amen. God prepares the table for us, offering us a feast of abundant love. Our cups overflow with the bounty of grace for our shepherd knows us as no one else can. Restoring our souls, healing our brokenness, nourishing us with bread and cup for the life of ministry. We remember how Jesus, our shepherd, took bread and after giving thanks, broke it, giving it to his disciples and saying, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying this. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So come, you who have much faith and you who would like to have more. You who have been to this sacrament often, and you who, like me, have not for a long time. You who have tried to follow Jesus, and you, like me, who have failed. For it is Christ who invites us to meet him here. May I invite the stewards forward to distribute the elements?
here at FCC, we consume the elements together. So um, please do let us wait till everybody is ready, both online and off, uh, before we consume the elements. Come to the table and feast with the shepherd. Let us partake of these communion elements together with thanksgiving and praise. May I invite the congregation to stand as you are able. Let us say this together. God, God of, of love, love you, you abide with us. us. Your loving presence stills us. You provide us with all that we need in abundance. In abundance. Help, Help us love one another in truth and action. action. Help, Help us give of ourselves to those in need. Help, Help us care for others. others. The, the way, way our, our shepherd, shepherd cares for us. May our, May our lives reflect our wholehearted trust in our shepherd's everlasting love and care. And care. Amen. Amen. So, um, this is something that uh, Ollie didn't expect. Um, Ollie's going to be leaving Singapore to further his studies um, next week, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, this is, uh, we would like to pray for him um, and invite everyone to join in, whether you're online or you are physically here. Um, we can't touch, so we can only lay on hands, but we will do it at a distance. Um, and also, those of you who are online, maybe you want to type something um, into the, um, the YouTube chat, you know, uh, for Ollie. And we also have a padlet for Ollie um, that you can send um, your messages to him um, later. We'll, so let's pray for Ollie. God, Ollie has said yes. Yes to your call and your invitation to serve. God, guide him, protect him as he ventures from Singapore, as he goes to Toronto, as he goes to LA first before going to Toronto. Protect him, God, in his journeys. Give him wisdom as he studies and explores. And God, show him the way, what you have, 
plan for him, what, who he can be and who he's invited to become, to teach, to be a bridge builder, to be a peacemaker. So God, may he know your presence, feel you with him through all that he goes through, and know that you are not far away, as just as we at FCC are not far away from him. So God, we send all our love, our prayers, our hopes for him to you. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, for those of you who want to share your well wishes with Ollie, we have uh, two ways for you. For those of you who are physically here, uh, we have some cards at the counter over there. And so, if you want to fill in those cards and just uh, write your well wishes for him, you can do that. But we haven't forgotten for all of you online as well. Uh, we have a Padlet uh, prepared for you to add in your well wishes for Ollie. And so, the moderators will be putting the Padlet link there. It's fcc.la slash Ollie. All right? fcc.la/oli and it will bring you to the padlet and then you can write your messages for him. All right? And so we wish Oli the very best and we wish God's presence go with him every step Thank of you. the way. Amen. Good morning, church, and uh, welcome again to the Sunday service here at the Free Community Church. Um, First, um, thank you for joining us in the communion. For those on site, please uh, hold on uh, to your communion elements and uh, you can dispose them on, on your way out uh, this afternoon from, this, uh, from the sanctuary. Um, we are going to just use this opportunity to welcome people who are new among us today who might be joining us either online or here in person for the first time. Uh, we, we, FCC is... Uh, strives to be a progressive, inclusive Christian community and we want to welcome you exactly as you are and embrace all the aspects, attributes uh, of what makes you, you. Um, FCC is also a community church which means that we believe that it's important to do life in community with one another and we're here to learn from one another and grow together and I think that that's how uh, we also become disciples of Christ as we as iron sharpens iron. So we are, if you're here for the first time, you're very, very welcome. Uh, we would like to invite all newcomers uh, to please, uh, if you're uh, um, able to, uh, use the, the link there or the QR code there to leave us your details. And we would like to get in touch with you to see how we can serve you better. We also have a newcomers meeting that happens at the end of every month. So for this month, it's going to be next month. Sorry, next week. Um, and uh, it's going to be online. And if you drop us an email at info at freecomchurch.org, we are going to be able to send you an invitation uh, for the Zoom link to be able to join us for our newcomers meeting where you can get to know us and we can get to know you a little bit better. We now come to a time of giving, um, and these are the two ways that you can contribute to the work and support the work and the mission of FCC. Uh, you can use uh, uh, PayNow uh, to scan either of those QR codes to donate either to the FCC General Fund or Building Fund. Or if you prefer, you can give by credit card at freecomchurch.give.asia to our General Fund as well. FCC being a progressive, inclusive church is really a voice in the desert here in Singapore. 
and the generosity of all your giving, uh, whether you're a member of FCC when, and you give contribute or whether you contribute regularly to us or you're just making a, a one-off donation, we really sincerely appreciate it as it goes entirely to being able to resource and make good and bring to life the mission and ministry of FCC. Um, FCC is now 18 years old and we work completely on the entire generosity of volunteers like you um, and also generous givers like you who have uh, poured so um, generously into the, the work of this ministry. So I just want to say a big thank you and so grateful to have you as part of our, our community and for you to participate in the giving today. So we'll leave those quotes up there and I'm just going to pray for us as we prepare to give to get, uh, this, uh, this morning. Dear God, we thank you so much for bringing us into community together. We thank you so much for your presence in our midst, enlivening us, bringing us together, calling us uh, to your purposes as individuals and as individuals in community in this ecclesia. God, help us not to just come to church, but to be the church, to steward the resources that you have given to us, whether it is our gifts, talents, and abilities, or the financial resources to be able to do the work of ministry that you have called us to and to bring this mission that you have called FCC to, to life. Thank you, God, for each person who is giving today. And God, I just ask you to bless each person back as much as they have given. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning, I have a few announcements uh, for us uh, to, to, to share. And the first one is I'll call out and shout out for volunteers, especially in the video and sound ministries at FCC. FCC has now been online for over a year, and uh, we continue to improve our Sunday services and try to make sure that it is a great experience whether you're here in church physically or whether you're online and you know, you can see that the, some of the segments are live, done live here, and some of the segments are pre-recorded, like some of our worship because of the ongoing um, you know, safety requirements for the pandemic. And so uh, we really, one of the two ministries that really need a lot of resources at this point in time, in this season, are the video and sound ministries. Um, no experience is needed. We'd just like to invite you, if you have a heart to serve, and this is an area of your interest, uh, to drop us a message at info at freecomchurch.org, and we would love to get in touch with you, invite you to join us for one of the uh, recording sessions and for a tour, and you can see whether uh, this ministry is the right one for you to serve in. Again, you know, the serving commitments can be um, as often or as infrequent as you are able to, uh, but it's usually we're trying to get it to a place where people only have to serve once a month uh, to make it uh, we can spread the load around. So that's the first announcement. Move on to the second announcement now, which is a call out for a new cell group called Sprout. And Sprout is basically a, a way for you, to, uh, for people who are new to this community, who are looking for a cell group, who are looking to do life with uh, people like yourselves, who are maybe newer to the community, to come together with this brand new cell group. And so this is going to be a time-limited cell group. And if you are interested in joining this, cell, uh, this new cell group, which is going to start very soon, encourage you to reach out and register at info at freecomchurch.org and someone will get in touch with you with the details. Now for the next announcement, which is Living Water 2021. Living Water is our uh, Christian education program 
uh, whether you are a member of this church or just attending online, to help uh, people reconcile faith and sexuality. And uh, the Living Water series is, um, uh, uh, is uh, designed and tailored for uh, men, and the Lush series is tailored for women within our community. So this next Living Water is going to be starting on the 15th of July, every Thursday evening, um, for I think six or eight weeks, and I encourage you, if you're interested in that, uh, to sign up at fcc.law slash livingwater2021 or scan the QR code that are, that, that's on the screen right now. Finally, we've got one more announcement, and uh, it's about TMART. And to give this announcement, I'm going to invite Chua uh, to come and share uh, the May donation report. So Chua, would you like to come and share with us? Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, Church. I'm Chua, and here to report on the recent concluded donation drive to Tea Shelters. Thank you very much for the donation. And I, as I only got a few minutes, so I may go quite fast. And if you want to, if you don't know what I say, go and watch the video again, okay? Okay. Usually from start to finish, uh, we usually take eight weeks. But this time, as we were told, some of the beneficiaries are low in their supplies, so we uh, push it out uh, and shorten it by two weeks. So thank you very much. And also for the various self group who have stepped up. Okay. As I believe we are, we are continuing to do this, we have already done it for three years since June 2018 when I joined. I would like to get feedback on our online or sign-up commitment form, which was created due to COVID. In the past, we used paper and pen, and commitment or fulfillment of the sign-up was very fast. Within three weeks, all the slots are taken up. But this time, the online is like up to the last week before delivery. I still have a lot of empty slots. So I'm very concerned. I'm not very sure what is happening. Is it the online form is a bit difficult to do or whatever? So I will, especially you have done it and you have find difficulty, please give me the feedback. Okay, the feedback will be at info at freecom.com, uh, freecom church. Okay, send me the feedback. Send in the feedback, okay? Okay, um, this time we still have also unfulfillment goods because I think people forgot what they have committed. Huh? And then also they see wrongly, 8 and 6. Then of course I think the mark, there are some restrictions. Uh, so you are not able to get what you needed. So of course, so this time we have already a lot of uh, unfulfillment. But of course there are some groups who are very kind. They donate in kinds. Okay, donate in kinds is also good, but... The problem is that when you donate in kinds, we don't know what happened to it as compared to physical goods. So I hope for future donation, y'all will give me the physical goods, okay? Okay. Now, I was asked again why I need your receipt. And I need to address it because I told somebody to watch the video today, okay? So that they can get an answer. Okay. It's for me to record, account, and with all the value, I can tell the congregation how much we as, as a church have raised for our community. And of course, it will also encourage other people to donate. Because as I've seen, over the years, we have been giving more and more. The amount has been increasing. And this time, it has been 2.5 times of what we donated in July 2019. So you will know the figures later. Okay, I have also not reported on our last year Christmas donation of small electrical items to the elderly. And the amount was 1215 for 13 elderly. Thank you so much. Then for last month, tea, shelter, food donation drive, we have raised $2,070. Thank you so much. 
So look out for our next donation drive and to remember to give me the feedback. Okay, uh, thank you and God bless. Now, we will invite Oli to come back again to give us a benediction. People of God, may God give you the grace never to sell yourself short, grace to risk something bigger for something good, grace to remember that the world is now too dangerous for anything but truth and too small for anything but love. May the peace that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And may the blessing of God, Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer, be with all of us today and always. So go in peace to love and serve God. Amen. So we have now come to the end of the service. Thank you very much for joining us both in church.